Nerve stimulator in regional anesthesia. Is it out of vogue? By Drs. Jasmit Karana and Vivian Ip from the University of Alberta Hospital, Dr. Rakesh Sundakopam from the University of Iowa Hospital, and Dr. Bansui from Stanford University. Introduction Since the late 18th century, many pioneers have advanced our understanding of the electrophysiologic properties of nerve conduction. Such groundbreaking works would eventually influence the creation and application of a nerve stimulator that is more portable and similar to those commonly used today. Although this popular technology continued to undergo slight modifications over several decades, it was eventually replaced by the ultrasound, U.S., for guiding peripheral nerve blocks, PNBs. Beginning in the late 1990s, the perceived advantages of such image guidance, including increased efficacy and safety, has earned ultrasound imaging the reputation as the absolute monitor for regional anesthesia. Are these seemingly positive outcomes, however, potentially blinding us from improving patient care? Are too many operators depending solely on ultrasound for peripheral nerve blocks? We suggest that, in further perfecting our regional techniques, we must reflect on and retain some influences from our past. Although the prerequisite knowledge of surface landmarks and anatomy has remained constant, the technique of eliciting a paresthesia has been found to be potentially unreliable and possibly harmful as a needle is blindly advanced toward the target nerve. Eliciting such abnormal stimuli was eventually supplemented with electrical nerve stimulation, ENS, which allowed performance of more difficult nerve blocks while decreasing reliance on the patient's verbal feedback, reducing effective local anesthetic, LA, dose, with probable reductions in morbidity. The use of this technology allowed regional anesthesia to evolve rapidly over just a few decades. Briefly, electrical nerve stimulation works by initiating ion flow in nearby neuronal cells causing either muscle contraction or paresthesia depending on nerve type, for example, motor mixed versus sensory, respectively. When nerve stimulation is used to localize a nerve, a higher stimulating current is typically used, for example, 1 to 1.5 milliamps and as the needle approaches the target nerve, the current is reduced to a minimum until the lowest twitch response is seen or paresthesia is felt. After aspirating to rule out intravascular injection, a local anesthetic or normal saline NS testose is often given and a diminishing muscle response is noted, Raj test. The full dose of local anesthetic can then be injected. It was initially hypothesized that the small amount of local anesthetic or normal saline abolishes the motor response elicited by the low current via the injectate pushing the target nerve away from the needle. It was later proven, however, that both of these solutions are conducting fluids, and when a non-conducting fluid, such as dextrose 5% in water, D5W is used, the elicited motor response is continued or augmented.
This response occurs because dextrose 5% in water provides a uniform electric field around the needle tip rather than along the length of the needle like the aforementioned solutions. Despite its popularity for performing peripheral nerve blocks, electrical nerve stimulation was eventually displaced by ultrasound as imaging technology began to increase in popularity and availability. Many advocates for ultrasound guidance cite its ability to reduce procedural time, improve block quality, and increase safety. Various studies, however, have demonstrated that visually interpreting the proximity between the needle and nerve may not be reliable. For instance, Redder and others performed ultrasound-guided supraclavicular blocks on cadavers and histologically found a 24% incidence of subperineural injections. While such a high incidence of neurological complications or cadaveric structural integrity are not seen in clinical practice, their findings demonstrate that the lateral resolution of the ultrasound is not high enough to differentiate intra- and extrafascicular injections. Furthermore, although subclinical, one cannot advocate for intraneural injection since local anesthetic deposition directly around nerve fascicles has been hypothesized to result in cytotoxicity and ischemia. Such effects are seen in large animal histopathologic models and may be prevented by avoiding nerve perforation. Overall, peripheral nerve injuries, PNIs, are complicated and multifactorial. The ASRA Practice Advisory on Neurologic Complications has made several recommendations. First, based on both animal and human studies, it suggests that direct needle-to-nerve contact and intraneural injections be avoided. While the clinical implications of needle-to-nerve contact are not generally clinically relevant, ultrasound-guided studies have not demonstrated a significant reduction in the incidence of this event. Therefore, ultrasound alone cannot prevent trauma resulting from a needle entering a nerve and causing injury or inflammation that may be histologically present. With the use of the nerve stimulator, one may suspect that the needle is intraneural if, for example, a 0.2 milliamp current threshold results in a motor response. This finding, however, does not necessarily equate to the needle being located in an intrafascicular location. The ideal minimal threshold current that limits the incidence of intraneural injections yet still provokes a motor response is debatable. Overall, electrical nerve stimulation has a low sensitivity but high specificity for direct nerve contact. Consequently, the advisory panel suggested that a current of less than 0.5 milliamps, which evokes a motor response, effectively indicates intraneural needle placement. Other published literature has suggested a lower threshold to elicit concern for intraneural needle placement, closer to 0.2 milliamps, but suggests that higher thresholds should be considered in certain patient populations for example, those with diabetes, multiple sclerosis, and obesity. Therefore, nerve stimulation technique may not be reliable in patients with these conditions. This finding supports the argument that more than one technique should be used to help prevent nerve injury when performing nerve block, dual endpoint technique. 
Currently, no human data supports the superiority of one localization technique over another to reduce potential nerve injuries (PNIs). Potential nerve injuries occur with similar frequency whether ultrasound guidance or electrical nerve stimulation is used as the primary nerve localization tool, two to four per 10,000 blocks. Such outcomes may be related to variation in operator technique. Poor image resolution, or attempting to inject directly adjacent to a nerve, despite a lack of sonographic evidence of tissue expansion with local anesthetic injection, all potentially unsafe regional anesthesia practices. Recently, we have suggested the use of a multimodal endpoint technique when performing nerve blocks, which includes the combination of ultrasound, nerve stimulator, injection pressure monitoring, and patient feedback. As there is no single modality that prevents direct needle-to-nerve contact, our suggestion is in line with the practice advisory panel. To promote the use of a multimodal endpoint technique, several adjustments can be made that do not add to the procedural time. As mentioned earlier, for nerve stimulation, dextrose 5% in water rather than local anesthetic (normal saline) as the initial injectate. Is necessary to confirm the correct positioning of the needle. The current threshold for nerve stimulation that limits intraneural injections is significantly less than what is generally utilized for nerve localization. For nerve localization, the nerve stimulator is often set to one milliamp, and as the needle approaches the target nerve, the current is reduced until it reaches 0.5 milliamps or less. The elicitation of motor response at this current amplitude suggests that the needle is correctly positioned adjacent to the nerve. However, when using nerve stimulation for preventing needle-to-nerve contact, the nerve stimulator is initially set at 0.2 or 0.3 milliamps, and the aim is not to elicit any motor response, since a motor response signifies that the needle is potentially intraneural. For pressure monitoring, limiting injection pressure to less than 15 psi through the use of commercially available devices or compressed air injection techniques can also be used. The compressed air injection technique (CAIT) applies the principle of Boyle's law to allow for a simple, real-time subjective injection pressure monitoring. When a column of air is aspirated above the column of fluid. And then compressed by less than or equal to 50%, the injection pressure is less than or equal to 760 millimeters of mercury, one atmosphere or 14.7 psi. Furthermore, we also advocate all peripheral nerve blocks be performed with insulated nerve block needles on awake patients for real-time feedback. Conclusion. Despite countless studies attempting to outline differences in outcomes between ultrasound and electrical nerve stimulation in regional anesthesia, neither technique is reliable on its own. Rather, when used together, these modalities are complementary to each other and increase the likelihood that intraneural injections will be detected and prevented. At the University of Alberta Hospital. We utilize a combination of ultrasound for visual guidance and low current thresholds via electrical nerve stimulation that attempt to produce an absence of motor response, 
objectively monitor the injection pressure and maintain real-time feedback from patients in an effort to increase our ability to safely perform peripheral nerve blocks. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode of ASRA News, please consider subscribing, sharing with a friend, or leaving us a review.